Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is a show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Today, my illustrious guest, I have Darren Glover. He is the division lead at Vayner Sports for Vayner Gaming. Darren, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing well, as I mentioned. Cold. Cold oh, morning true. here in Minneapolis. Yeah, you're up in Minneapolis, Twin Cities. I got to ask, every time I meet someone from Minneapolis, what is your favorite atmosphere CD? My favorite atmosphere city, to be honest with you, I can't name you an atmosphere CD. Okay. I uh, I went to Soundset five years in a row, okay. um, and it was more of like, I respect atmosphere. I don't necessarily like their music, okay. but I have the utmost respect for what they've done for the indie hip hop underground scene. I was going to say, honestly, anytime I listen to atmosphere, I'm kind of like, maybe Minneapolis does sound like a fun place. I should go there sometime in the spring, in the summertime. I hear there's a lot of stuff going outside there, but maybe not quite in the winter. As you said, it's a little chilly today, but Darren, very excited to get to chat with you today. Excited to talk about your career in sports, especially getting into the esports and the gaming side. I think that part is very important in understanding how you got there because you have a really interesting path. You've been working with one of my favorite college basketball players, which I think is pretty cool. But Darren, the first question. I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? I love sports because of the community that comes around sports. I My best friends, I've found through sports. I think the ability to also, in today's world, cross over in cultures. You know, I was a suburban white kid, and I played on a team with you know, it's the, you know, Crayola box of people. And I think that's what I love about sports at a very early age. You're thrown into different environments and different scenarios with different types of people. And you're all not focused on anything else other than that specific goal of doing winning or scoring or learning how to work through certain challenges together. Um, and you do that at an early age and you just continue to grow that as you get older. And then you have a lot of old old fogies tell you this is going to be good for your life and you're like yeah, yeah, yeah whatever and then all of a sudden you start to get a little older and you're like wow i actually learned a tremendous amount about life via that fourth grade soccer team that i mm -hmm. played on so that's really what i love about it yeah and that's always one thing that people do talk about right it's it's the the opportunity that you stop you know quote unquote you know seeing color you stop noticing where people come from or or what their background is it's just we want to put the ball in the hoop so that way we can win the game. And that's really what it comes down to. And I mean, you have some pretty iconic movies that go over that. I don't know if you've seen Remember the Titans. That's a pretty cool one. The same thing, right? So it's just one of those things where once you start giving people a common goal to go after, it doesn't matter where you're from or who you are or, or where you, wh what you've been doing. We can all work towards this common goal. We're going to get there and we're going to do our best. I don't care who you are or what you do. Let's just work towards that. And you see it all the time in sports, which I totally agree. And that's actually something that you hear a lot about in the esports space, in the gaming space, right? It's just, who cares? You are who you are. You got a good personality. Put yourself on TV. Put yourself on Twitch. We're good to go. And have you seen that? How have you seen that kind of evolve in the gaming space, especially from those like, you know, I used to play like Call of Duty Modern Warfare and get into those uh those awful awful exchanges in those uh in those in those rooms Lobbies, you, yeah. yeah you never want to do that again how have you seen that kind of grow and and excel especially knowing and gamers are coming from literally all over the world and being a glass half full kind of guy being in those modern warfare lobbies and hearing the stuff that's going yep. on it also like that's where you got your chops like that's where you sharpened sharpened your teeth in and whether i mean it's horrible mm -hmm. the stuff that that's going on but but it's funny to like you know people talk about the toxicity in gaming now and like a lot of the people that are like 
our age, so to speak, are like, yeah. you Dude, have no idea what we have to go through. <laughs> exactly. Which is like, I look at it as a positive thing. Like people say that, you know, I mean, it's, it's today's world, right? Like, oh, there's so much hate. And it's like, well, yep. Yeah, social media is exposing a lot of that. There's always been hate in the world. It's just, it hasn't been the door and the window hasn't been as opened as what it is today. I don't think the world and people are changing. I think we're all just able to see it. And with all the negative side that comes with it, there's also a lot of positive sides. Mm -hmm. A lot of the bad stuff that was, you know, peaked behind the curtain is now just being exposed. So I think it's the same thing in the gaming space. It's always been toxic. It's Mm -hmm. always, there's always been good things and bad things about it. There just hasn't been, the perspective and open door into the community and into the space as what it is now because of things like Twitch, where, you know, to your point, gaming is not on Twitch. Gaming was always outside of in a mm-hmm. LAN event behind closed doors that people didn't necessarily get access and exposure to unless you were there. Now, all these tournaments are being broadcast. And so it's just more people getting a a, a glimpse into the space and some people find it interesting some people don't but the people that do find it interesting it's the domino effect of out of 10 people four people find it interesting and then those four people introduce 10 new people to it and it starts to do what it's doing right now so uh, there's a, a a huge crossover between what sports is and what gaming is and that's one of the things that i speak on shows like this about is like, I love to say that gaming isn't trying to take away from sports. They're just trying to be put on the same level, which Mm -hmm. is, we just talked about sports being, you play with people from different communities. You all have a singular goal in mind. You're just trying to meet new friends, new folks, new people have a good time. Like that's what the culture of sports is at a very early age. Well, but for some reason, gaming is like, get off that game set down there. Well, it's like, no, it's the same thing as sports. You're playing with people from even more cultures because, you know, the stories go on and on. My best friend lives in Washington. I play with this guy from Florida and I haven't even met him in person yet. They're my best friends. Mind blowing. But as a kid, you get that same perspective mm-hmm. as long as you're doing it the right way. I didn't sleep in a gym, right? I had an, a life outside of the basketball court. Well, yeah, don't play video games for 18 hours a day and not have a social life. It's the same thing. Gaming is the exact same thing as sports. It hits on the same intrinsic mindset, competitive, like it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now it's all of a sudden becoming, you know, we're, we're breaking down the barriers to make gaming in a similar conversation as what sports is with all the additional value ads and not to be long winded, but the 1% of the 1% of the 1% actually make real money playing Mm -hmm. sports so don't tell me that it's not okay for kids to play gaming because they're not going to do anything with their life when the majority of kids that play sports don't do anything with sports in their life Mm -hmm. that is 100 percent true i've never heard it said quite like that before but it's the exact same thing right like you can you can aspire to be things what's wrong with aspiring right like we've seen guys like uh ninja and you guys work with bugger if i'm not mistaken like those dudes are pulling real money and and they're not messing around and, and there's nothing wrong with a kid saying like Hey, I want to be like that when I grow up. It's like, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah, if I could play video games and now obviously there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just like sitting down and playing video games like, you know, you would with your friends. It kind of is, but there's a little bit more that goes into it. And I'm excited to talk about that. But you brought up basketball a little bit, too. And I know you were pretty good at basketball, if I'm not mistaken, from our previous conversation. And unfortunately, didn't quite get to uh, get to make it to the league or anything. But after your basketball career was over, how did you shift your focus and your mindset, again, understanding like, hey, I'm not going to be able to make money doing this, unfortunately. How were you able to shift that focus and understand like, hey, 
there is something that I can do to make money. It is in this digital and social marketing space. What was it about digital and social that you were like, this seems pretty cool. I want to spend a little bit of time here. One of the things I don't even think I brought up when we were talking on the phone. So when I was in college, I started to make music. I started to make instrumentals when I had a big knee operation when I was in school. And I had to be in a machine that bent my knee for 10 hours a day. And there's only so many episodes of... I was a big Everybody Loves Raymond, Seinfeld. Oh. Like I love okay. those old TV shows, and I ran through all of them. I had nothing else to do, so I started to mess around on GarageBand, make instrumentals. One thing led to another. You get to college, get the microphone. A Friday night before we all mm-hmm. go out, like, and you know, if you can tell, I have a very corny sense of humor, but that, like, somehow I was good at being able to rhyme things and have mm-hmm. a certain sense of humor to it, whatever it might be. But I started to put out music. So that was my first. Uh, introduction into social media you put something out and you're wondering why people interacted with it how do you get people to interact with it what the hell is a facebook ad i learned about it in my class but i wasn't really paying attention you start to put two things together from the education side into real world implementation of it and that was my first at like dip into the waters of that i realized that i had an innate passion to figure out consumer behavior which is like the vocab word for it, but it's like, why do people do what they do on the platforms and in, in all of these different scenarios? Why are they doing that? What's motivating them? What's, what's the driver of why they interact with something or watch five minutes of a video? And it just kind of starts to exponentially grow of whether it's the way that it was, per- the, the, the context of how it was put in front of me to who's in that video, what the first five seconds are. Like there's a whole um, story around that. So I just figured it out that I was interested in it and I was able to put because of my music real world um, implementation from what I was learning in the classroom. And that was really fun for me to be able to learn new things and strategies and ask questions. And then later that night, release a new song and like put it out in a certain Mm -hmm. way. Like, oh, shit, it actually was better than what I how I released it last week. So that's really my first dip into social media. And that kind of led into what was I going to do for a living um, after I, I had my knee operations and I, I kind of had to hang up, hang up the shoes and go figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, I realized like, I really wanted to work in marketing and I was a big, uh, you know, my, my mom worked at an advertising agency. Mm-hmm. My dad was into marketing. So I knew that was something of interest. And then I watched like mad men on Netflix. Nice. And I was like, All right, I got to work at an advertising agency. Like I, I, I want to work in that, in, in that world. So um, that's just what I, wanted to do. I didn't get there. I took a different path into the ad world, but um, that was kind of why I thought I wanted to do that was that was that's actually the real story. Yes. Don Draper with just a little less adultery. I think you're in a good <laughs> spot, man. You'd be in a good spot. No, I, I Mad Men, that first season, especially I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was pretty cool just to kind of see how some of that stuff works. Obviously, it's a little hyperbolistic, but it's still fun and it's still interesting and kind of seeing how those brains work. I work in the marketing field as well. And, and it's always just fun, like when you kind of get on a roll creatively, you're like, oh, shit, like this is pretty sweet. Like, let's keep going. And creativity is one of those things where it's the more you use it, the more you gain, right? You don't like lose creativity unless you stop trying to be creative. You gain more creativity when you continue to be creative because you think of different things in your brain and blah, blah, blah. We can get into that right. a little bit later. But understanding that you want to work in this space and and kind of you being your own guinea pig for, for lack of a better term and understanding. Also, if you don't mind setting over your uh, catalog or your Spotify playlist, I'd love to put that in the show notes for everybody to check those out. But um, 
getting into this space, I know you started to work at like a car dealership, essentially, or like a motor group, whatever you want to call it. And, and understanding just, hey, you you need to get in so that way you can go get your next job. Like I, right. I assume working in with cars, maybe you like cars, maybe you don't, but that might not have been that first stop. But you also had a pretty good friend along the way and Tyus Jones, who case anybody doesn't know i'm a pretty big duke basketball fan so hearing that definitely made me want to get darren on a little bit more uh you know tyus might have won a championship at duke in 2015 whatever nobody's counting nobody's counting not that big a deal but how have you you're from minneapolis tyus jones from apple 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 valley apple valley i knew it was an apple something him and his brother both went to duke by the way um was that just like a relationship you got you just were friends since growing up and kind of played basketball together is that kind of how that everything started there yeah i mean going back to how we started this conversation, meeting new people from all mm-hmm. different walks of life. Like we played for the same AAU program. Um, and yeah, it was like, I was, I was, you know, one of the top guys in Minneapolis playing ball for playing for this organization. And Tyus was one of the young guys and we just connected. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you meet a friend and you just start to develop a relationship with them. So yeah, I mean, he just was somebody that was a really good friend of mine that through, um, through high school, through my college experience, when he got to college, we just stayed in touch and became even better friends. So when he won his national championship in 2015 and, you know, was taking that next leap into the NBA, that was just a casual conversation of like, Hey, do you kind of want to be there and help me throughout the process? And, whatever situation scenario that I get into knowing that I also kind of had that marketing business mm-hmm. development mindset behind me, not really knowing what I'm doing, but I know that I, I know that I have some skill mm-hmm. at doing it. Um, that's kind of what kicked it off. So being able to, to work with, with Tyus through a fun point in a professional athlete's career, where a lot of times you hear people get into you know pro sports when they retire or kind of towards the later end of their career when they're Mm -hmm. figuring out what they're going to do next. I was able to get in at the peak of somebody extremely relevant's career to be a sponge. Like I love, I know I'm talking a lot now, but I love just watching and learning and figuring out what they say and asking that question that I might know, but I just want to make sure that I think I know. So I love doing that. And that's what I did for the first year and a half of working with Tyus was being able to hear and listen and be on calls and figure out what's going on and ask questions and put pieces together. And, um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that was, that's what got me into sports. That's what got me into some circles of the pro sports agency circles. Um, it got me into some rooms with some business folks. It got me into some rooms with some entertainment people. That was like the launch pad of my career, just wanting to meet new people and figure out how they could potentially add value to Tyus. Yeah. And I think that's the most important part, right? It's understanding value. What value can you give? What value can they give you back? Asking for help never hurt anybody. And I guess kind of, you know, as you said, working, especially that early in someone's career, him coming right off a national championship, me being a Duke fan kind of wanted him to stay for an extra year, but dude, go make your money. Like it's not even a question. And I guess, especially in the beginning, was that like a little intimidating? You kind of being relatively young at the same time, him coming off this gigantic accomplishment that most people didn't think Duke was going to win until they really got there. And like, oh, shit, no, no, this is definitely one of the best teams in the league. Got Justin Winlow, the Gisilla, Tyus Jones. Like, this team was nuts, and it was so much fun to watch. How, like, what was that like, especially initially, being in those conversations with these guys that have been doing this 10, 15, 20 years, being in those boardrooms and, and, and meeting these high-level ranking business folks, as you said? Like, what was that like initially? And kind of when did you start to feel comfortable and be like, no, I I got this. Like, as you said, you didn't really know what you were doing. You just kind of knew you wanted to do it. 
Yeah, I I honestly can't tell you. I I I've always been the kid that would rather sit at the grown-ups table than the kids table. Like mm-hmm. that was me as a kid. Um a lot of funny stories that my parents used to talk about. Like I always had an interest to talk with people that were older and more experienced than me in life mm-hmm. and and have those more mature conversations, but that that's always been me. So, um I I'm also a proponent of you know, I, I don't like when older people, you know, pat me on the top of my head as like a mm-hmm. little kid. Like I didn't, I didn't like that. And I experienced that a lot because I had big ideas and big thoughts and yeah, maybe I didn't have the experience, but a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do and talked about back in 2015, um, is coming to fruition now. And that's cool for me to see. Cause now that I do have six years of experience being able to be like, whether anybody wants to believe me or not, there's a few folks out there that know it, but what I was saying about a lot of different topics around personal branding and content and social media and trying to get people to understand and do, okay, you know, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, good, good idea there, day. right? And it's like, all right, well, like that was really annoying for me. It's one of the things that I take with me now is I don't do that to college kids that have big ideas or good ideas. I don't, I think age is just a number, like when it comes down to good ideas, maybe somebody younger doesn't understand the trickle down or how to implement or like whatever, but ideas are good ideas are good ideas. Um, being able to do that at a young age and sit across from folks and try to get in the boardroom. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed not getting LinkedIn responses. I have all my logged LinkedIn responses from people that didn't respond to me in 2015, 16, but I get to meet them in 2019 because of some of the stuff that I've Mm -hmm. done and we get to laugh about it. I don't take it personally, but it was a fun experience for me also from an off, authenticity standpoint, knowing that I'm just what I'm ties is one of my best friends. It's mm-hmm. not something that I'm money hungry. I'm not doing things immoral. I just one of my best friends. I just want to get them cool opportunities and meet new people. And like, we're having fun doing it. Not, you know, we have to do this. Yeah. Or, All right. I'm going to do No, it's like, we're having, we're having a good time. Like why, why not try to meet the CMO of a very large company? The worst that can happen is we don't meet them. And we're in the same position that we are right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 100%. Also want to shout out, uh, I guess, both of our friends, uh, Patrick Klein. Darren Glover is his hero. My goodness. So Darren. PK. PK is a good dude. I FaceTimed him last night. No way. He mentioned that he would call me back. Oh. He never called me back. PK. That's not good. That's PK right. owes me an email, too. So, hey. Emails, calls. No, he's a good dude. I enjoy it. I'm helping out the EFUSE team a little bit. They got some real cool shit going on. So I'm really enjoying uh, talking to him and Matt and everybody over there. And kudos to them on uh, some of those new hires that they got. They're yep. doing some cool stuff. So going back to you and Tyus for a second with um, how, like, so he, draft night, he actually gets traded from the Cavs, if I'm not mistaken, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So he's going back home, essentially. And then you get that that opportunity. How much easier or harder did it make it from your standpoint knowing that he's now in his home market like him being a pretty big star obviously coming off a national championship i'm going to talk about it because the last one dukes had like how what was that like and and being able to be like hey like we have this guy he's got a pretty big following how were you able to take that and as you said create that brand around him create those stories and saying hey this national champion's coming home. He's going to be playing for the Timberwolves. Like, what was that like? And how much How much did you really lean into that? And did it make it easier or harder? I don't think it was easier or harder. It was just, it was, it was the, the case. Mm-hmm. It, that's just part of the story. Um, I, I think, f- you know, when you get drafted to your hometown team, mm-hmm. it's very surreal because you, for your entire life, you've grown up playing at that arena 
with different names on the front of your jerseys and making it to the NBA regardless mm -hmm. is a huge accomplishment. Making it and now playing and walking through the tunnel, not as a fan or as a high school kid or whatever, like now you're on, like very, very surreal. Um, I think it made it, uh, it, it really almost made it, I would say, ste like stemming in the more difficult Mm -hmm. because it's comfortable you're in your hometown yep. you're in your home arena everybody already knows you so it didn't it was harder because everybody already knows who you are so you're already tapped out in terms of relevancy and awareness everybody knows you it's like yeah it's ties he goes to the local buffalo yeah. Wild Wings. like he's been doing that for 18 years now it just so happens oops he's got a game tomorrow playing mm -hmm. against the San Antonio Spurs. So I think it made it more difficult in the sense of there was not a lot of newness to the marketplace. Everybody already knew the brand. He was already relevant. He had a 17-year brand-building career in the state that he is now a professional athlete for. If he would have been drafted to the Portland Trailblazers, it would have been more difficult in the sense of now you have to fill the gap mm -hmm. of relevancy in a new market and a new demographic. But it would have had its own challenges, but it also would have been fun in the sense of, hi, I'm Tyus, and I'm playing yep. for the Portland Trailblazers, as opposed to everybody already knowing you. So I think mm -hmm. either or had its challenges, but it was fun nonetheless. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, some there were some people that were 100% like, yes, we want to support him and do this. And other people are like, well, he's, as you said, he's been coming to this local diner for years. Now he wants money to do it. Not obviously saying that was the case in certain situations, but I can understand that being, you know, a little bit like, what? Like, no, we love Tyus. We've known him forever. So that is really interesting. So shout out, shout out to Tyus. And I guess, how did you, sticking on this topic for just a couple more questions, how did you improve his social relevance, his story, like his story's there, right? And you, when you and I spoke on the phone the other day, it's, you know, his last post was not him, but just in general, it's like their last post was like them shooting free throws in November 8th of 2020. It's like, you're not telling us a story guy. Yeah, you work out. That's great. Like, how did you, especially back in 2015, before a lot of this was, you know, I'm not going to say common knowledge because people still mess it up all the time, but how did you help him and, and really explain to him like, hey, if we do it this way, there's more opportunities for you now, but also down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think right off the bat, it's thinking about Tyus Jones as not a professional athlete, but as a brand. And that was kind of part of me making a transition from working just with Tyus, moving over to an mm -hmm. advertising agency, which is if you replace, if you put Tyus Jones TM or in court, right? If, if you make him in a corporation, you now think of Tyus Jones differently. Mm -hmm. um, he's not a person anymore. He now becomes a brand that has a product and a service that he's providing to a community of people. Like you now start to put him through a pipeline similar to how an advertising agency does the rest of their clients. Mm -hmm. That's really what we were able to do for him was coming up with whatever that logo is, whatever that brand mark is, whatever um, the content is. We created something that he actually wrote on his arm a long time ago for some campaign at Duke. Um, and he wrote, write your own story, which was a saying that his dad used to tell him, which is like, your story is your story. Don't try to base it off of anybody else, whether there's a bad chapter or a good chapter, like that's your own. I'm actually even wearing some of his. Ah, I love it. It's like, so write your own story being that, that motto and message that he grew from. That was something that we could bring to life, which again, to the point, everybody has these conversations behind the scenes and they don't know how to take it from the backroom conversation to the main stage. And that's what we were able to do for him, which was take something that he knew we knew, but no one else knew. And just doing it as a hashtag or a 
post on Instagram without the foundation underneath it, it kind of gets lost. But we were able to create Write Your Own Story as the brand underneath Tyus Jones. And we were able to get a partnership with um, uh, TCL, which is the TV brand, and being able to um, so Ty has donated money to create a learning lab at mm-hmm. a school in Apple Valley and decked it out with new technology, with new everything, whatever. And that was like the write your own story aspect of how do we implement that into real life? Mm-hmm. How do we how do we take something that we created behind the scenes and implement it to help inspire young kids um, to write their own story? So those are those ways that we were able to help what he knew, what we knew, and we wanted to let the world know who are the partners that we need to work with? What are the execution? Like, what is the execution strategy? And then what's the content that comes with that, where you consistently are starting to beat over the head in a good way, mm-hmm. the audience to say, this is what I'm trying to do with my life. It's creating a purpose. And I think a lot of athletes these days don't have a purpose. Your Their purpose is not to play basketball. That's not your purpose. That's your job and your career. Your purpose has to have a deeper underlying message to it. And some people know what it is. Some people have difficulty finding it and they need help finding it. But once they find it, that's how you should grow your brand as a professional athlete is regarding a purpose, not X's and O's and box score stats. 100%. I love that, man. That's good shit. And then so taking that, as you said, and then kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, parlaying that helping out one of your best friends doing some fun stuff. You then get into that advertising world that you said that your mom was in. Um, you hang out there for a little bit. When when did gaming come into the fold? Was Ty a big gamer? Were you guys able to take advantage of that? Was that just something that was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, go on Twitch, see what happens. That should be fun. Like, when did that really start to come into the fold a lot for you? Yeah, I mean, yes, we lived together in an apartment and we would have battles on Madden and 2K nice. and all of our friends would come over and, I've played call it. I was I was part of those lobbies. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you, you know, were the nice guy though, right? Just wanna. I probably have my mic muted to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I can handle it, but I. So yeah, I, I've always been a gamer. I've been mm-hmm. passionate about the action of gaming. I had no understanding of what the business side of gaming was. I knew that there was. I knew that there was. Mm-hmm. MLG. I mean, knew all the tournaments and that, but it just wasn't me. I'm playing basketball. Like that was my passion. I didn't have time to compete in that sense. Um, I w- wish I was a kid now because it would have been really fun to be able to do all that. But I've always been a gamer at heart. Tyus and I would game. We would play against each other. I understood the the behind the scenes competitive nature and the back and forth and why people want to play video games against each other. I understood that. And then I also understood how that translates to people saying, who would want to watch somebody play mm-hmm. video games? I'm like, well, you watch grown men push yep. each other on a court or on a field on a daily basis and get drunk watching it. Like it's, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So uh, that was my first understanding of it. I started to just in, have an interest in understanding the business side just because it was like, why not? I'm in business development. I want to meet new people. Um, 2K and Madden and Call of Duty. I started just to reach out to people trying to figure out how to authentically create opportunities for someone like Tyus or other athletes. Well, what about video games? What if that's an avenue? What if we don't have to do traditional partnerships from you know, the traditional categories of beverage and snack brands and whatever it might be. What if we tapped into video games? And that was kind of at the rise of a few months after I started to do that, all of a sudden Ninja plays with Juju mm-hmm. Smith, 
Travis Scott and Drake, and everybody's like, what's this Fortnite thing? Well, I played yep. Fortnite with my friends. But I'm like, whoa, what's this Twitch thing? Oh, it was Justin TV. Oh, it's a it's a bunch of people are playing video games online, building up their own brand via being a gamer. Oh, that's kind of similar to what I'm doing with athletes. So that just that's what got me into it. it. Was very like, it wasn't a moment. It was just I was just thinking about fun ways to be able to add value from entertainment and video games is one of those things. And then that moment happened that everybody talks about as kind of the the spark to the industry. And that's when I was kind of like, this is something. There's mm -hmm. something here, and this isn't just a one off that happened and it's going to go away. I just kind of had that innate feeling that this was going to be something bigger than just a one-off moment that happened in the industry. And that's that's what got me into it. And that that's exactly what happened. A lot of people, when you talk to about the esports and gaming space, that's exactly, that's the moment they point to is, hey, this time, this one time it happened. And then the next day you wake up and that's all social media was talking about for the first half of the day or the entire day. And it's like, oh, there's some shit going on here. Let's let's pay attention to this. And I think it's really interesting because again, like you, most people get try and get into gaming because they loved gaming and they knew gamers and, and they loved streaming growing up and yada, yada, yada. You're kind of coming in from this other angle of, well, if I can help an athlete in this space, that's interesting, right? And now we always see it, right? You know, Juju Smith and what he does, um, Juju Smith-Schuster and how, you know, he has all of his, uh, Gordon Hayward, you see him on those commercials all the time. There's so many athletes that are like, yeah, I love gaming. I listened to part of my take this morning and they're, uh, Julian Edelman was talking about how much he wants to just hop into a war zone or whatever. So you see so many athletes because what do they do? Like they're downtime. They, they're just normal people. Like they're incredible athletes, but they're also just normal people. And after they're done working out and doing their recovery and everything, they kind of just want to sit on the couch and play some video games, just like in every other person. So how like coming at it from that angle, how were you able to look at it differently, right? Forest through the trees kind of shit where most people that are in gaming, they see it from a gaming perspective and they, you know, they're, that's kind of how they've seen it forever. And now the rest of the world is starting to look at it and coming in and being like, there's so many other things we can do. There's so much other stuff. How have, how has that helped kind of shape the way you're looking at gaming again, coming in through that side door rather than just kind of walking through the front door and taking the regular regular steps that everyone else has. Been yeah. I mean, to. I think there's, I think there's a bigger purpose behind it. I think a lot of athletes and as we've seen over the pandemic, which has just put, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we fast forward what was going to happen over the you know next 10 years into the last 10 months, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's just what has happened. But a lot of people have gotten into it. And that's one of the things that I learned when I, I worked at my previous company, Wombo Sports, which was, you know, the company that I got in at very, very early when it was a PowerPoint presentation and was the director of marketing and talent development, which is really around growth the brand and getting a bunch of athletes that are gamers and introducing the idea of doing something with that gaming, which has previously been a behind the door, closed off to the rest of the world mm -hmm. um, activity and hobby that they take um, a part into, hey, what if I open the door and put a camera in front of you? And now you're put in a scenario where you're very authentic. You're hanging out with your friends. This is This is the uh, personality. This is the moment that your fans want to see you in most, which is your natural state mm -hmm. of a human being, which comes down to building a personal brand. Like people don't follow people for anything else other than they like them and how to, and, and getting athletes to be themselves when the camera's on sitting at a desk, answering media questions, you know, hello, everybody answers every question the same yep. way. Why do we keep listening? Like, Anyways, we can get on that at a different time, but like, how do you get them in their natural state? It's why 
uh, hot ones has popped off is you're mm -hmm. getting people in a state that makes them uncomfortable. And most people, when they're uncomfortable, that's their natural emotions. They say things that they might not say when they're media heavy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's what I thought gaming could be. And that's what got me excited about Wombo Sports of being able to take athletes, put them in a state that makes them normal, and then they can connect with fans that way. And that's how you grow the brand. Now the content that you're creating isn't the free throw shot. It's them hitting a crazy snipe and going, oh, I'm freaking mm -hmm. out. Well, that's what fans want to see. They want to mm -hmm. see a different state of that person that they follow or they watch three times a week. So that's what got me excited about it, that what we've seen Oh, I got a million followers on Twitter and Instagram and I'm the starting shooting guard for this team or I'm the, you know, mm -hmm. second string wide receiver for that team. I can make a I can make all that money streaming. Oh, I'm going to start well, yeah, but you started under the idea that you're doing this because you want to make money. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's the complete wrong way to get into streaming if you're anybody of influence because everybody thinks I'll just do it a couple times and my 5 million over here Mm -hmm. And if I can just get 5% of that, it's not how it happens. So you, the people that are the most successful that are athletes and celebrities on Twitch that play video games and stream are the people that just do it to do it, that they're not money hungry. They know that they're not relevant in this community. Like you're relevant over here. Majority of the gaming space didn't know who Juju Smith was. Mm -hmm. Now they do because of all the stuff that has happened. But he got into it not for the money. He got into it because he was just passionate about it. Gordon Hayward got into it just because he's doing it. Josh Hart, Myers Leonard, like the list goes on and on. People have to do it just because they want to do it. They can't have money as their motivation. They just have to have and just an innate passion to want to connect with fans in this unique environment. Like that's and then money's going to come if you do it that mm -hmm. way. Anyways, I'm, I'm yeah. long-winded here. No, no, no. Miles Leonard, you actually brought... I was going to bring him up because he's relatively unknown, even in like basketball circles, right? He's like, yeah, he started for the Heat a little bit last year, and then they went to the bubble, and he was kind of... He's barely in the rotation anymore, unfortunately. And it's just one of those things where he loves gaming and what he's doing on that end. I think he's probably more popular in that space than he is in the NBA where, well, but it's helped them in the NBA. And exactly. One of those yep. things that, that, uh, that, you know, one of the things that I think Vayner sports does a great job on shameless plug here, but it's, it's the Gary V it's, it's what we push our athletes to think about is thinking about your brand in a bigger way than not just how good you are on the field, but how do you use your current platform to build long-term wealth to build relevancy to get that opportunity today because it might not be there tomorrow mm -hmm. but it's there for the taking today and folks like i mean if you think of you know two folks that have done a great job at it because of also the team around them of the folks over at cut and sew and zoned myers leonard and josh hart are not all-star caliber talent on the court but what they've been able to do in another category of gaming mm -hmm. has also made them more relevant in the nba space it, it can help you in your career if you build a brand and and relevancy in other categories it can also start to feed your main source of income as well where people know myers leonard because of gaming but people know myers leonard in the sports world also because they see him mm -hmm. in gaming so it it helps both sides of the story, 100%. it really just boils down to you're semi-relevant right now. Take advantage of it. Do everything you can yep. right now so that, God forbid, you get hit by a bus one day and you can't play sports anymore. You can game for the rest of your life. You got some stuff to fall back on. And that doesn't hurt. I mean, that's like growing social following, but in a different space, as you said, because now it's it's 
live streaming. It's more than just a fake picture on Instagram. Like this is you and your realist, as you said, doing doing the things that you love. And and no worries about the shameless plug. Again, this is your show, man. Talk to us about everything. And we're going to get to it. Obviously, you are, as I said before, division lead at Vayner Sports for Vayner Gaming. And again, you're coming from that side door. You're entering through the athlete door and saying like, wait a second, there's a huge opportunity here for some of these gigantic stars. You know, Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the biggest teams in the NFL. And Juju Smith was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL on that team. So take advantage of it. Do something with it. But it's because he loved it. And I guess kind of, you know, just starting how how did the, you know, the, the Gary V, the, the model, as you said, you know, giving that huge amount of value before even asking for anything in return. What is it like starting a pretty cool job at a really cool company? in the middle of a pandemic. How did that go? And how were you able to kind of navigate just the space of starting up something new now? Not easy from a cultural communication standpoint, going from what I was best at and I love the most, which is traveling around, meeting people in person. I'm a very mm-hmm. personable guy. I love going out, doing the coffees. I mean, like I that's me. So starting a new job, just doing this, with people that you now work with on a daily basis and having to develop relationships in us in the snap of a finger. Um, it was, it was tough. I think everybody dealt with it in their own, in their own way where they had their bumps and bruises along, along the journey. Um, but it was great. I mean, my client Booga, who's our, our core client at Vayner gaming was a part of the Vayner ecosystem. And he was being represented by the ecosystem per Mm -hmm. se where Tyler Schmidt did a, you know, was his kind of day-to-day manager and, you know, Reed Bergman from a friend, I mean, a weird, you know, one of the, one of those stories of Mm -hmm. how we got into our ecosystem, but you know, it, it was a great journey for him after he won the world cup to really understand that there's life that's bigger than just winning the world cup, which as what we're talking about, right. Mm -hmm. Which take advantage of this moment because the world changes very rapidly. And as relevant as you are today, right after you're shaking Jimmy Fallon's hand and leaving that couch, the world could not care about you tomorrow. And if there would have been a Fortnite World Cup this past summer, if Booga didn't win, guess what? There would have been, an, right? That's, mm-hmm. how, that's how you have to think. And that's kind of what the strategy was early on that, that the Vayner ecosystem really started to tell Booga and his family and the people close around him, which is let's take advantage of this. Let's start to create that content, build this community up. Let's turn down that short-term cash deal today to go back at them six months later. Now that you've, you know, 40 extra audience to get more money, like not for the purpose of being money hungry, but that's just the strategy. Start to do stuff because you want to do it to build relevancy and don't sell out early. Know that there's longevity to it as long as you don't wait and sit on your hands, but you're proactive under that Gary V model, which is really our secret sauce, which is how do we create so much content and build up such a strong affinity with your community that when you do end up wanting to sell something or you do end up you know, selling out with a brand, it's authentic because it's like, oh, that makes sense. That's a cool partnership. I get it. I understand it. It's not... I'm going to do as much cash grabs as I can. And now all my content is going to be very, you know, tinny mm-hmm. and cheap, uh, which a lot of people think is the way, oh, I got to take advantage of this moment. I'm going to go make as much money as I can. It's like, well, no, that's not necessarily the case. Let's build that community, build the audience, build that relevancy, and then sell against that, not in a way of quick cash, but in true authentic partnerships. Yes. And you bring up authentic partnerships. And I think that's the most important thing 
in esports, right? And it's one of those things that, you know, I, again, I love to talk to some people. Um, Reed Trimble, good friend of mine, met him a couple years ago. He's doing some really cool shit. And, it, you know, I always just kind of call him every couple months, just be like, hey, man, like, what's going on? Just like, I'm kind of curious about the space. The space moves so freaking quick. If you're not paying attention to it for three months, a lot of stuff changes. So I always love to shout out him and uh, he's doing some really cool stuff. And I always love that. And that's one thing that he kind of, you know, when I first started to learn a little bit more about the space and understand everything, that's what he always said. You have to be authentic because gamers can understand and quickly sniff out if you are not being authentic and your content does get tinny, as you said, I love that word. And it does not feel very authentic or relevant, or you're just kind of doing it for the cash. How, so you have that, this main client in Booga and he does some pretty cool stuff. And, and I guess like, how do you figure out what those partnerships look like and, and how to do that? As you said, you know, put out a lot of content, make it look really authentic, but do you do that from the strategy of, okay, you love Chipotle. Let's make sure every day or every other day or every week that you're at least putting up something about going to Chipotle. So that way in a couple of weeks, we can be like, hey, look at all this stuff that we made for free. Like, how do you go about that strategy to make sure you're doing it in an authentic way, especially with some of these brands that are just trying to enter the space because all they see is these numbers and dollar signs and just wanting to, the brands looking to grab the cash rather than the actual influencer, the gamer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a powerful word, which is being proactive. And that's what a lot of athletes, esports, a lot of the, the talent and influencers in the space that think that they're somebody don't want to give the brand a shout out because, well, they should pay free, that, right? It's free. Well, yeah, but they don't want to work with you if they don't know that you actually like the product. I think Chipotle's done a really good job in that as an example of a brand that we've worked with in the past that book has played in their Chipotle Challenger series. Um, you know, we we know the team over there, which is yeah, they don't work with influencers that don't authentically talk about the brand. You know, they've got the little card that they give out to people. Like that's what brands are looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that it always surprises me, which is like you realize that brands are scavenging social media, trying to find influencers that talk about them so that they can reach out to them and work with them. So you thinking that your manager or agent is going to reach out and say, my client loves your products and whatever. Well, that was the old way of doing things, which is falsifying opportunity and interest to then get a check to then I've never tried this product, but I'm going to like it because I like the dollar signs behind mm -hmm. it. That's not the way the world is working. Will those opportunities be around forever? Of course, because that's just what it is, what it is, but that's not how you grow real reputation. That's not how you grow real opportunities. And also like, let's take it a step further and not to get like super deep and heavy here, but like you have to like what you're doing mm -hmm. And as an influencer, you know, we can throw Booga an opportunity for the, for a dollar amount. But like, if he doesn't like the brand authentically, he also like, you start to affect your mental health. It's like, I don't like this. And it, it's more exhausting to fake something than it is to do something very genuine and authentic. So I, I, there's so many different elements to why that makes sense that the, the power is really in the influencer. It's like, if you like it, talk about it. That's it. You want to talk about a great way to in introduce for us to do the dirty work of introducing you to a brand and going through the process of negotiation and brainstorming and figuring out what makes the most sense. You want to open the door for an opportunity? Post about it. Talk about it. And I guarantee you the brand will reach out to you and say, hey, really appreciate it. Want to send you some free products. Would love to. It happens on the daily. And the fact that more people don't do it more often is mind blowing. It is really confusing, right? Because as you said, like these brands, 
they have influencer marketing teams now, especially ones like Chipotle that are gigantic and some of these other big brands. Like, do you really think they're just waiting for people to send them emails and direct messages? Like, that's not how it works. Like, as you said, they're scavenging the but, internet. But, but I, and I also think too, not not to interrupt you, but I also no. think, you know, celebrities, influencers, esports athletes, pro athletes, whatever it might be, stop trying to get the Pepsi deal. Stop only focusing on Gatorade, Nike, and Adidas. Stop. Is that a great opportunity? Absolutely. But guess what? All those great opportunities also come with some downside as well. Like every opportunity comes with its pros and cons. Don't just focus on those, you know, uh, blue labeled A-lister brand that gets a Super Bowl commercial. There's hundreds of thousands other small time energy drink, if that's your category. There's so many different snack brands out there. Work with just, I mean, get an equity deal with like, there's so many different ways to get opportunities these days that doesn't come from your fortune 50 snack beverage entertainment brand. There's tons of other ways to get opportunities and there's tons of other companies to work with that might, you know, look at body armor, right? Like everybody uses that as like the cheesy corny example, but like, look at that. Like that's a great example of a brand that has taken over the sports drink but it wasn't always that. And there are tons of athletes that missed out on the body ar armor equity opportunity when it was just starting out because I know it that are like, boy, damn, damn, nice. I should have done. Yeah. And not to say that's the only way, because again, equity and there's like, there's pros and cons to everything, mm -hmm. but open your mind up to working with more companies and more people and more brands. And your net result is going to be more positive. Yeah, and I think the equity conversation is a really interesting one too, because that's something that I've paid attention to. That Vayner Sports, yeah, I actually got the opportunity to interview, uh, interview AJ. Uh, he's actually in my book. Make sure to check it out. Winning in sports business, it's a dollar on uh, Amazon. Um, but I got the opportunity to interview AJ, and that's one thing that he spoke about a lot: is, hey, like let's let's take less cash. Get, get enough cash, right? You, you need to live. You need to make money. Right. You got to do a lot of stuff. And when you're an athlete, obviously you're. Your, your living expenses normally go up a little bit, but look for those deals that have the opportunity to gain some equity because not only are they going to give you a little bit of money, they'll give you equity in the company. It's better for them because now they know that you're super locked in and it's better for you because you can use your face. You can use your social following and authentically be like, guys, not right. only do I love this product, I freaking own it. I am literally an owner of this company. And you can use that influence to do much more than just make an extra 100K. You could take that to make an extra million, 2 million. And, and with the equity involved in that. So how do you kind of weigh, as you said, the pros and cons to, to those, but like making sure that you're doing best for the client, but also making sure the brand's really happy because they can get a lot out of it too. That's what makes us unique and different. I mean, that's, you, you hit it spot on. I mean, AJ is our, as our CEO and our fearless leader from, from Vayner sports. And then being able to have his, his older brother, you know, Gary and, and his influence and what he brings to the table. That's what makes us unique. I mean, athletes want to work with people that have their best interests in mind and our ability to say, we're going to work our hardest to get you as much cash as possible. And not, or there's, and we're going to find these types of equity opportunities and actually have the due diligence to tell you if it's a good deal or a bad deal, right? Like, just being transparent and being honest with people, I think athletes are looking for that moving forwards as the industry continues to be shaken up. Um, you know, we're all 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 headed this direction. You know, a lot of different agencies have a lot of different moving parts, and you don't always know if they have their vested interest in you or if this is a great opportunity or why you want to do that. Um, like from all the content that Gary puts out, all the content that AJ puts out, our CMO Mike Nelligan is awesome about these opportunities. Like that's what we're 
looking for. We're looking for as much cash as, you know, as we can, because we have to live, but we also want you to get those equity opportunities and even bigger than cash, who's on the board. A lot of these companies have strategic advisors and all the strategic partnerships that they have. You want to get a paid opportunity, go get equity in a smaller company that has a CMO at a large company. That's a strategic advisor to them from a different category. Talk about a great introduction because I mean, Think about these opportunities bigger than just what's in it for me now. Think about it as the opportunities of, let's say that company goes out of business in two years. There was no cost up front to you because you got equity for your likeness. You were then able to introduce yourself to all these other people. Mm -hmm. And as long as there wasn't any bad business that happened, that Per, that director of this, the VP of that at that company that you were a part of is going to go work someplace else. And if you, if they loved working with you, they're going to bring you like, there's so many different avenues. It's a, it's a complex world of opportunities for these influencers and athletes and esports professionals, whatever it might be, but they need the right people around them that are telling them that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes the difference between us that we always like to talk about, which is this is the way our mind is thinking. It's not just a, oh, that budget is too small. Great to talk. It's, oh, the budget's too small, but maybe we can, what about mm -hmm. equity? What about if we did an equity and cash? What, what, and what if we did content here? How, how does the Twitch channel work? What's the TikTok strategy? What, we, we have like a 3D mindset in a lot of these opportunities instead of just a 2D mindset. I love it. I think you obviously have been a big Gary V fan for a very long time. That's where I then found out pretty much about everybody else. You shout out Mike. I think he's the gentleman who put us in contact. So thanks, Mike. Appreciate you uh, giving me this awesome opportunity to hang out with Darren. So Darren, two more questions for you. One, something that's always been very interesting to me, especially in the partnership space of esports. One of the biggest spenders in the space is State Farm, which is really interesting to me because most of the people that watch gaming are into esports. Obviously, it's been getting bigger, especially with the pandemic, but they're pretty young. They don't really need insurance. Um, why does an insurance company love esports so much? So why are some of these non-endemic brands going so heavy and so hard into a space that there isn't going to be immediate ROI? There isn't going to be we sponsored Ninja or whomever and their channel, and we can then see the promo code that comes from it or whatever. Like, Why are some of these brands really taking advantage of the space, knowing again that that ROI isn't going to be immediate? I think there's also there there's yes and no about the age group. Yes, everybody's little brother that's 11 and 13 is playing Fortnite mm -hmm. right now and it's super, you know, whatever, but the majority of gamers like the casual gaming community is 18 to 24 and they do need insurance. You know, they need renters insurance for their mm -hmm. apartment in college. They, they do need car insurance for their first job when they put their first down payment on their first. Like Everybody does need insurance. Are they the highest paying customer of the State Farm customer mm -hmm. base? No, but it's all about brand affinity. You want to you want to work with the company that you've seen before in the past. And I think being able to get into the space that has that 11 year old that's watching mm -hmm. the finals of you know League of Legends all the way up to the 40 year old. Um, you know, like there's a huge demographic of gamers, which is the exciting thing of what's happening right now. It's like the spike in trading cards, right? All these people that are 35 and 40 remember the trading card days when mm -hmm. they were a kid and now their kid is getting into it. It's a connection within the family. Same thing is happening within the gaming space, which is the 40 year old, 35 year old, 40 year old dad who now has a 10 year old to 13 year old son. 
they can find a mutual connection within gaming and they can both watch that finals. That's all sponsored by State Farm. So I think there's more to it. You know, I just had a call before this around like intent to purchase and from certain brands, like the intent to purchase comes from both ends of the spectrums, both sides of gaming from the parental side, they gamed. The kid is gaming. So if the parent is able to find a mutual connection with their son or daughter in the gaming space that State Farm is now sponsoring, you do have a little bit of that core demographic, but you also get that kid that's 15, 16 that ends up going to college. Well, he wants to work with State Farm or he thinks about State Farm mm -hmm. immediately because they're not going to do all their research to figure out the five insurance programs. They're just going to find one that they know and trust because they've seen it for the last three, four years. And that's where they're going to purchase from. So I think it's State Farm has done a good job understanding that one, it's a customer journey. You have to reach them at a certain age and demographic and give value to them, provide them with more value than what you're asking for in return. So that when they do end up being an actual potential customer, it's not their first moment talking with them, mm -hmm. but it's also the fact that you're targeting the demographic of, of the actual buyers that you're looking to get in front of, which is that 35 to 50 year old audience. And they have kids that are playing games that you're also being a part of, and you're seeing State Farm and you're knowing that State Farm is doing it in an authentic way, adding value to what your son or daughter likes as well. So, you know, State Farm is doing a really great job. They understand it. They're also making a bet on the future, which yeah. A lot of brands don't do. A lot of brands act on what has happened over the last two years. State Farm has acted on where they think the world is moving. And hello, you know, we're moving in the right direction. And State Farm was right on their on their on their gut. Yep. And it's working again, as you say, a lot of these kids are going to see State Farm for many years before they get there. Their dads are going to watch it. Their moms are going to watch it with them. I really like that. That's a great point that you make that it's really coming from both ends of the spectrum. You're you're focusing on Yes, the intent to purchase, the parents are seeing it and people that are of age are seeing it, but also we have a lot of young kids that are seeing it as well and will have that brand affinity That's as you put it. Thing with sports, right? This is the, yep. this is the whole topic, right? Let's, let, let's make it full circle for how we started the conversation to how we're ending it is, is the idea that, you know, let's, let's go outside and throw the pigskin around, son, and then we'll go watch the football game. Like every parent is trying to find that connection with their kid. And if you can be a brand that can establish a pipeline of the younger demographic at a very young age to see your brand and understand that your brand is, a, is, is also a part of experiences and opportunities that you're able to share with your dad or mom or mom and, and father or daughter and whatever, it, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. it's just now it's done via esports. It's the exact same thought process of why these brands spend millions of dollars in the sports world is because they know that they're hitting their target demographic, but they're also introducing the brand to the younger demographic, which then has an even stronger affinity for the brand because it's not only just the brand, it's also when I think of the brand, I'm thinking about the experiences that the brand has provided me or the experience that that brand was a part of with me is connected to a story or a memory with my dad or my mom. That's what yeah. brands are looking for when they want to get you know a strong customer loyalty. I love it. Darren, this has been absolutely fantastic. Darren Glover, division lead at Vayner Sports for Vayner Gaming. Darren, where can everyone find you on the internet in case they want to hear some more of these incredible thoughts of yours? I'm pretty consistent uh, across every platform. I've even started to stream on Twitch now and play some games and test test the Twitch waters. But this is D-Glove um, on every single social platform you can imagine. 
Love it. You can find me at Michael Rizzo one on Twitter. Make sure to go follow Darren one more time at this is Deke Love. Follow him on LinkedIn too. I'm sure he's got some cool shit that's going on there. If you can, if you haven't already, hit the like button. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star review. We all sincerely appreciate it. For Darren, for myself, we all hope you make it a very wonderful rest of your Friday. Enjoy it, everybody. Thanks. Yeah.